I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today it's all about wrestling. It's all about American gladiators. It's all about bodyguarding Benny Hinn. It's all about Rico Constantino. And he is here, man. What a story and a career he has had. Uh, he's like the Forrest Gump of the WWE. He got into wrestling a little late. He was already 38 years old, had already won American Gladiators and worked private security for Benny Hinn, the uh, the televangelist. Wait to hear the stories. His American Gladiators tryout was insane. Uh, and then the private security for Benny Hinn has stories, uh, very, very strange stories. He also worked with the Secret Service. And that's before he even got into wrestling. We'll also find out how all that eventually led him to the WWE and winning the Tag Team Championship twice. He's got an incredible story, and I'm so glad I was able to speak with him when I did because Rico is having a lot of issues these days. He's very sick, suffering from some serious medical issues, and that, of course, has led to some serious medical bills. And in the fine tradition of Talk is Jericho, he needs some help, and we're going to give it to him. So if you want to chip in a few bucks to help Rico Constantino, you remember Rico, the guy with the sideburns and the uh, and the uh, flora flamboyant outfits, and you're gonna remind, he's going to remind you of all the different crazy stuff he's done to entertain you please give him a few bucks to continue uh for him to help get the medical help he needs please do so do it through paypal rico gets 100 percent of anything that you can send to him whether it's a dollar or 50 cents or five dollars you can donate a few dollars by going to paypal.com and sending the money to this email address wwe rico constantino at gmail.com that's wwe rico constantino c-o-n-s-t-a-n-t-i-n-o at gmail.com wwe rico constantino at gmail.com it'd be so great if we could all support Rico show him how much we appreciate all he gave us during his time in the WWE entertaining us uh, as well as on American Gladiators but before we get to my conversation with Rico I'm doing a couple spoken word shows in Ireland as you know the words of Jericho listen in man uh, the June 7th date at Mandela Hall is already sold out completely VIPs and general admission but there's still a few tickets left to the June 8th date in Dublin at Vicker Street 
seat. We added some more seats, and uh, they're getting snapped up pretty quick as well. Get those at Ticketmaster.ie. And, of course, the Fozzie Judas Rising Tour kicks off May 5th in Virginia Beach, Virginia, at the Lunatic Luau. Check out a picture of the new Fozzie 2017, a brand-new band picture on my Instagram. I posted it this week. Uh, Kings and Sons of Texas will be joining us for most of the Judas Rising Tour in May. And you can get tickets to any show and also buy VIP meet-and-greet tickets at FozzyRock.com. Let me take two seconds to talk about the Fozzy meet-and-greet program. I mean, dude, we lay it down. You get a private uh, mini-concert. You can make some requests. If you can sing, come on stage and sing with us. You'll meet everybody in the band, including me. Take pictures, autographs, Q&A. It's one of the best VIP programs you are ever going to be a part of. Be a part of it. Don't miss out at FozzyRock.com. Go check it out. And we will be in, uh, like I said, Virginia Beach on May 5th. May 6th, the revival in Canton, Georgia. 7th, Carolina Rebellion. The 9th is at the Concourse in Knoxville, Tennessee. 10th, Trixie's Entertainment Complex in Louisville, Kentucky. I expect to see Jim Cornette and Kenny, the star maker, Bolin, will be there. Uh, at the 11th, at the Rave uh, in Milwaukee. That's with all that remains. It's a huge show. The 12th, at the Green Bay Distillery in Green Bay, Wisconsin. 14th, Northern Invasion uh, in Somerset, Wisconsin. 16th at the Diesel Club in Pittsburgh, 17th at the Chameleon Club in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. At the 18th, it's 89 North in Pajog, New York. So somebody uh, scolded me for my pronunciation of that. Hopefully they said it's P-A-T-J-O-G. So Pat Patjog. Uh, sorry if I am still butchering that. You guys know where you are. You know I love you. I was born in Long Island. And May 19th at the House of Independence in Asbury Park, in New Jersey, home of Bruce Springsteen. And the 20th at the Blue Fox in the Winchester, Virginia. And the t- uh, 21st is at Morgantown, Virginia at the uh, main stage. 23rd is the Machine Shop in Flint, Michigan, one of our favorites. 24th at the Forge in Joliet, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. 25th at the Fubar in St. Louis. And then three festivals in Texas, the 26th, Rocklahoma. Well, not in Texas, but prior Oklahoma, pretty close. 27th, River City Rock Fest in San Antonio. And the 28th, we will be in Dallas at BFD. So all those tickets available at FozzyRock.com. Plus, we'll be at the Download Festival on the main stage with Aerosmith in Nottingham, England, Donington, England, June 11th. I'll be hosting the Metal Hammer Golden God Awards on June 12th in London at the Indigo On the 13th, we're at the Crawford Arms in Milton Keynes. That gig is almost sold out. There's still a few tickets left, and there might be a possible super-secret gig somewhere else in England on the 14th. There is. You know where it is. Uh, I can't say it officially, but if you heard about it, it's true. That's all you need to know. Uh, about the Fozzie Judas Rising Tour. For all further information, please go to FozzieRock.com. Get your tickets, get your VIP meet-and-greet tickets to all the shows, and come rock with us. It is going to be amazing. And the new single will be out very, very soon within the next couple weeks. It's going to blow your heads off. I think uh, someone in the know, someone I trust a lot, who's actually a Talk is Jericho alumni, said it is the best Fozzie song he's ever heard, and I uh, believe him for that because he doesn't compliment me much. So, All right, Rico Constantino is coming up next. Talk is Jericho. All right, so we are here in uh, Las Vegas at the home of Rico Constantino. And, dude, I haven't seen you in a long time. And it's funny to me because I think out of all the people that I've met in the, bi- in the wrestling business, you are like uh, like the Forrest Gump of wrestling. Because yeah. you, you did it all, man. You've had so many crazy experiences, and I want to talk about all of them. But the first one is I walk in, your granddaughter's here, and yeah. you said you delivered your own granddaughter? Yeah, it was when I first started in... Um police business right after I retired. It right. was 2006. And uh, my daughter was having trouble 
so they were going to take the baby. Right. Uh, C-section, and uh, she said that she wanted nobody in the room but me, and I was just in the middle of getting promoted to patrol officer instead of air. Because you're a Las Vegas police officer. Right. Right. And uh, <laughs> I called my sergeant, and I said, listen, can I take my lunch break? And he goes, why? I said, uh, I've got to go deliver my granddaughter. <laughs> he said... <laughs> He said, uh, well, why don't you just go home? I said, Take the afternoon. I said, well, let me just use my lunch. It's a C-section. I'm going right up to Spring Valley, and they're waiting for me. Right. I said, and if it goes a little longer, I'll give you a call, and then I'll take the rest of the day off. He says, all right. So I go racing up there, and uh, she's all prepped, and they bring me in the doctor's room, and they take off my shirt, I take off my belt, lock it up, and then they give me the hat and the scrubs and all that other stuff. I come out and I got my little camera. They cut her open. I'm taking pictures. I cut the cord. I hold the baby. Ten fingers, ten toes. Wash her off a little bit. Hand her to the nurse. Hand her my daughter. Get dressed. Put it back on. Get back out. Get back in my car. And I go, 10-8, David 7 Grandpa. <laughs> and that was all within an hour. So what did you do in your lunch break? Oh, I delivered my granddaughter. I delivered my granddaughter. <laughs> and that was, she was born uh, July, ooh, let's see, because it was right at like 428, and no, 426 on July 28th. 2006 nice <laughs> so that's an interesting story but you mentioned like uh after you retired but you started in the business very late because most kids like i started when i was 19 you start in your early 20s but from what i recall in this you correct me i know you know did you start when you were like almost 40 or were you 40 or late I was 30s 38 and a half 38 I, and a half yeah i was bodyguarding and been around the world twice i was executive protection Worked with Secret Service, Department of Justice. I've met four different presidents. You're kidding me. No. Which presidents? Uh, my gosh. Uh, president Chamorro, which uh -huh. was the president of Nicaragua. Okay. Female. There was one president of Guyana of Africa, West Africa. I can't remember his name. Mm -hmm. uh, president Chaluba of Zambia. Met him twice. And then I met Itzhak Rabin, which was the prime minister of Israel. And what, where are you meeting these people? Who were you working for? Well, I was working for a high-class diplomat. Oh, okay. And uh, I was going to see him a third time, but somebody decided to assassinate him in 1998. Assassinate? It's Akrabin. Wow. He was the Israeli prime yeah, yeah, minister. Yeah. yeah. So, And then I got to meet Daniel Ortega. He was the Sandinista leader <laughs> down in uh, Nicaragua. Got to go in his war room, and wow, let me tell you, that's a dark place. Really? Yeah. Because Nicaragua, I mean, that's, like you said, dude, that's some serious shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had pictures of Stalin and all the communist leaders in a big oval room, and you're like... Wow, so you're there with your 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 client. Client. And your job is to make sure that the client does not get harmed. Yeah, my job is to make sure the client comes home the same way he left. Right. At, right. at my own expense. 
that yeah, you have, if you have to take the bullet, you'll do that. How well, did you get involved with that, Rico? I mean, that's some that's some crazy stuff. Uh, well, you heard of Blackwater and all that other stuff. Now, now it's a big conglomerate and everything. Now, by then, when I was doing it, it was word of mouth. And the funny thing with this client, I was with a group called the Power Team. And doing it was like a Christian, Christian muscle group. I remember exactly. watching that. Like they're was, all muscle head guys, and they yeah. would bend bars for Jesus, basically. Yeah, yeah, break bricks and stuff like that. I could tear a phone book, and you were on the power them. team. Yeah, no shit. Two years. I used to watch that on TV. Yeah, that's where I was. I had this great mullet, and uh, in fact, it was so good I called it a mullet. <laughs> of course, I did that right after Gladiators. In fact, 1990, I won the Gladiators. Oh, you actually won the Gladiators? I won the American Gladiators. I was like us. Wow. And I went out for the show, and I was one of 12,000. They did a like a mass four casting city, call. four-city tour, and I did my tryout in Universal Studios. And the tryout for the show was really tough. You had to do 25 pull-ups in 30 seconds. Pass or fail. Mm-hmm. And then you had to do a 40-yard dash in under such a time. Pass or fail. Then you had to do a tug of war with somebody they picked. And two out of three. Pass or fail. Hmm. Then you had to do a five-line shuttle run. You know, touch the line, go back, touch the line, go back. That wasn't really pass or fail, but they wanted to see how fast you could go. And then uh, you had to do Powerball. Twice on defense, stop the guy, mm-hmm. and twice on offense. That's like trying to run down the yeah, court, dunk basically. The dunk the ball. Yeah, yeah, I right. remember that there's one. There's yeah. three gladiators in the center right. and two contenders trying to dunk the ball at the same time. Well, you had to go twice offense, twice defense, and then an on-camera interview. And then they picked 20 men and 20 women. So after I got finished, um, plus I was wearing extravagant tights. I was very flamboyant. Yes, I was flamboyant before I hit the WWE. (laughs) I mean, they were yellow, bright yellow with with, uh, tiger stripes. Tank top to match. And Inside Edition was there. So they were following me around. And uh, the producer of the show named Aton Keller, after I finished everything, he asked me to go to the gladiator side and try out to be a gladiator. Because they were getting rid of two gladiators. So you were just trying out to be a contestant on the show at first. I was just first. trying to be a contestant. Right. So Aton came to me to be a gladiator. I said, all right. So I did their little thing because they got rid of two gladiators from the pilot season because now they were getting picked up by Warner Brothers and Four Point. They got rid of a guy named Titan and Malibu. So they were going to replace two gladiators. So as time went on, uh, they replaced them with two humongous guys. One guy was 260 pounds, named Turbo, and the other one was bigger than him, named Thunder, who was 275. So I was like, well, I ain't going to beat that, so I'll be the (laughs) contender. So we go, and we get to practice two days there, and we got with no gladiators, and got to try the wall, got to try the, the lady and the tiger, you know, the reverse ramp you ran up. Right. And then the hand bike. Yeah. And then you ran across the beam, and they threw the, the punching bag at you, climbed the cargo net, slid down the slide. Then you went, did the two jumps, and then you went through the paper. Mm-hmm. That's called Lady and the Tiger. Right. Uh, three gladiators, four doors, 
and then you, yet that's the end of the time. So um, as we're practicing, I'm figuring stuff out. I'm figuring how to do the wall. I'm figuring how to do the giant gerbil ball, you <laughs> yeah. know, atmosphere, and I'm figuring out how to run up the thing and I, and how to do the bike. Right. And I'm telling the other contenders, "Hey, do this. Stand up, <laughs> roll this, and do this and do that." Well, at the end of the second day, one half of the stands is full of all the people. I guess their names are on the credits, executive producers and all these people. And then I, I'm doing the hang tough, the swinging thing. And all of a sudden I get a whistle on the loudspeaker. Aton Keller goes, Rico, could you come here? Uh, okay. So I walk over and he goes, do you know the concept of American gladiators? I said, yeah, it's me and this other guy against these big guys to get points. And the more points you get, you move on to the next round. It's a round-robin tournament. He goes, okay, why are you telling these other contenders <laughs> right. the secrets that you're learning as you're practicing? I said, well, ever since I saw your show, you're trying to find out who is the best. You have deemed these five people, these gladiators, are the best of the best. I'm here with my measuring stick to say I'm the best. So when I win your show, nobody's going to have an excuse. Boom. Wow. So when I win, nobody has an excuse. They know what I know. Right. And the producer turned around to all of them and said, see, I told you. Rico, go ahead and go back. (laughs) And I ended up winning. Nice. Which uh, was, was fun. Right. And so they brought you on to be an actual gladiator after that? No. Okay. That, that, that was what I was told. Mm. If I win, I could be a gladiator. Well, the, the creator and I did not get along. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, um, he reneged on that promise. Okay. And I went, oh, okay. So I got myself a championship belt. And for the next year, because I won 10 grand and a trip to Hawaii. So for that next year, I worked with 10 different children charities weekly, and I donated my time. Adam Walsh, Special Olympics, Make-A-Wish, the Orange County Burn Unit, uh, uh, Cerebral Palsy, uh, Muscular Dystrophy, anyone who would ask, I'd, I'd go. And then Gladiators caught wind that I was doing all these appearances because right. it was appearing in the paper. Yeah. So I got a call from the lawyers and they said, uh, we need to have a talk. Uh, we need 10% of whatever you've made on these appearances. Wow. Because you're saying you're a gladiator. Well, said I was gladiator, gladiator champion. Champion, right. Yeah. I said, oh, okay. We need those figures sent to us and we need to check sent to us as soon as possible. I said, well, I can do that right now. I said, because I got paid nothing for these appearances. I donated my time. So if you want 10% of nothing, I think that's nothing. <laughs> so I can write you a check right now. Yeah. Uh, so you get nothing. <laughs> right. And all I did was tell these charities, feed me. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Feed me. And then we'll have a blast. Right. And uh, my favorite event was uh, the Special Olympics track and field. And I used to have such a a blast at that. Let me know how much. It's okay. No, you're good. And uh, I remember we were in Santa Ana, California. 
and this one young man wanted my championship belt. He, wanted, he actually wanted it. And I said, I'll tell you what. We'll do the track and field today, and at the end of the day, I'll have a race with you, and you get to wear it for an hour. And he lit up, you know. <laughs> and he went and told everybody he was going to race me for my belt. Well, at the end of everything, everybody got their hugs and their medals. This football field was lined up with everybody. So I was like, oh, my gosh. That's a 100-yard dash. Right. So we get, I get the, the sponsors into it and stuff like that. And the starter gun goes off. And then he takes off. And then I get ahead of him. And then he gets ahead of me. And then I get ahead of him. And, and all the kids are going crazy. And he gets ahead of me. And then I get ahead of him. And we're coming up at the end. And, and he wins by a neck. Yeah. And he was just so happy. I mean, he had the belt. He ran around, showed his friends. The Orange County Register got a I made front page. Mm -hmm. Got a big color picture of me raising his hand. Yeah, yeah. Him holding the belt. I mean, those, those are moment. Yeah. priceless moments. Priceless moment. And he ran around for an hour <laughs> at least and had the belt was, and was sharing it with his friends. That's cool. Yeah. Stuff, it's just stuff like that to just pop in my head and, and of just other stuff I've done. And Let's talk a bit about, I know you, you mentioned being a high-class bodyguard. You actually worked for years with Benny Hinn. Uh, yeah. Who is one of the most famous evangel televangelists probably of all time. He's right up there with, you know, Jimmy Swaggart and all those yep. type of guys. Yeah. So what was what, what exactly was your was your job with with Benny? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was with the Christian team, power team, and I didn't even know who Benny Hinn was. The closest I knew Benny Hinn was Benny Hill. Right. You know, yeah, that, yeah, you know, and the little bald guy getting hit in the head. Right. So I'm in Alaska. I'm in Anchorage doing the week with with power team. Power team. And the phone rings at 4:30 in the morning. Now I'm I'm have been remarried. Linda and I have been divorced. So I answer the phone and I hear, "Hello." I said, "Hello." This is Pastor Hinn calling. I said, okay, and why are we calling? I want to talk to you. I said, do you know what time it is? It's 7.30. I said, where are you? Orlando, Florida. I said, it's 4.30 in the morning here. You want to give me a few minutes? <laughs> call, call me back in a couple of minutes. Right. So... And this is before cell phones. You're actually calling at your hotel room. Hotel. How right. I got my hotel room? I don't know. Yeah. So I wash my face off, and he calls back. And I'm on the phone, and he starts telling me that he is getting death threats and letters of, you know, threatening his life, mm -hmm. his family's life, and right. stuff like that. And me having my prior bodyguard background, police background, because I was a police officer at 23 mm -hmm. here in, in North Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Graduated number one in police academy up north and all that stuff. Decorated. I just left. I didn't like the new chief, and I was young enough. I went. Come out to Vegas. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go do something else. I'm out of here. So he's telling me all these problems, and he t he wants me to get on a plane that day and come see him. And I said, Well, I can't right now. I'm under contract with Mr. Jacobs, the power team. Yeah, and I'm in the middle of a show. I can't just leave him high and dry. 
I don't do business that way. Well, when do you get back? And I said, well, I get back on Tuesday. He goes, then why don't you send your, your wife and I'll show her this and that. And I said, well, didn't you just tell me all the life threats you've had and death mm-hmm. threats and this and that? Well, yes. Then why would I send my most prized possession to you now without me there? <laughs> right. He says, good point. I said, okay. <laughs> now I'll be back on Tuesday. Yeah. Give me a ticket for Wednesday and uh, we'll come and I'll come and see your position and see everything. So sure enough, he had me a ticket Wednesday. My wife at that time and I went down to Florida. He picked me up himself at the airport. Went down. At that time, he was doing his television show on church property, Orlando Christian Center. So he showed me, saw some notes, took a tour. He has uniformed guards on the property. He does about 7,500 to 10,000 people a Sunday. Mm. And he has California Highway Patrol get people in and out of the lots. I mean, there's 2,500 people to service. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching, and then he tells me, you know, just, just for the bodyguard, just to be the bodyguard and take care of him, take care of him personally. I said, okay, uh, this is my price. So he marches me into his financial officer, and I sit down, and he don't look too happy. Mm-hmm. So he says, so you think pastor needs a bodyguard? I said, no. He goes, okay, what are you doing here? I said, Pastor thinks he needs a bodyguard. Right. He called me. I didn't call him. And what is your price? I said, this is my price. He goes, this is a church organization. I said, I'm sorry. I'm a bodyguard. This is my price. No. I said, thank you very much. (laughs) I stood up, walked out, walked out of the green room. And I said, Pastor, can I have a ride back to the airport? Well, what happened? Uh, Mr. So-and-so does not want to pay my price. And... Uh, I need to get back to Texas and get ready for the next week. He says, could you stay here for a few minutes? Sure. So I stay here. He leaves. Five, seven minutes, he comes back. Could you come with me? Sure. Walks me right back into the financial officer's office. Sit down. And this guy, you can see him coming from his (laughs) ears. Steam, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he says, I'll leave you two to talk. He walks away. He looks at me, he goes, so this is your price? I said, yeah, this is my price. He says, all right. I said, okay, I need to give two weeks to my prior employer. It's a proper thing to do. And you need, you need to move me here to Orlando. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, I'll go to an apartment first, but I need a home and somewhere close to where Pastor right. lives. Okay. So he does all that, and I give my two weeks to John, but he wasn't too thrilled Mm -hmm. so I had a week extra to relax and then I worked two years with a pastor so and Benny Hinn's thing was he would like he would heal sick people that was his gimmick right well he asked him and I've been there I've been to a lot of crusades around the world we were gone three weeks in the United States one week overseas and he would tell you he never healed anybody Hmm, he never healed anybody God he God, God healed. Right. He would be in the, a, it's called a crusade where he goes, but he'd be in the prayer meeting, 
singing, worshiping, having everybody pray, and people would be checked out prior to going up, and before they hit the television, they were their doctors were checked out to see if they had an illness. Mm-hmm. So his background crew did so much work to prove that a person had an illness and an illness is not there no more. Mm-hmm. So he had a hundred people behind the scenes to verify that this was a miracle and not just somebody trying to get right, the right, 15 right. minutes of fame. And you saw this happen? You, you saw oh, yeah. examples of this? I, I saw one thing in Africa. Now, I'm sitting at the stage, and I'm looking out, and I'm watching Pastor's eyes because he goes from one side to another, praying for people. And I'm watching people as they come up. And I saw, we were in a soccer stadium. They were passing somebody draped in white linen. From all the way in the back, they were passing this people, this person over their head. Like passing them like, like by their hands, like, yeah. a, but, but like a crowd surfing. Yeah. Was wrapped. Hmm. Totally wrapped. Head to toe, wrapped in white. And I'm watching this. And uh, okay, and then they got to the stage, and they threw, and boom, the thing hit, whatever it was, hit the stage. And I'm watching it, it's not moving. Not moving at all. Pastor goes over and prays on it, and then moves to the next. Next thing you know, it gets up and walks away. Hmm. Just gets up and walks away. What was it? A body or something? It was or? a body. You could tell it was a body. It looked like a mummy. It was wow, wrapped like all a, in like, white. like a dead body. Well, I couldn't tell it was dead. Now, right. I can't say it was dead because mm-hmm. I didn't check any vitals. It hit the corner of the stage. It was nowhere near Pastor. No reason for me to get up. Now, if it had got up and rushed Pastor, yeah, then it'd been something different, right? You know, I'm trying. I I don't want to interfere with what what's going on. I had my eye on it. He prayed and then went this way, that way. It got up and walked away. The guy in Africa, I think it was Andola, or no, Lusaka, it was Lusaka, said that that person was shrouded in a death shroud and was passed all the way up, got up and left the stage. Wow. That's, that, that's what he tells us. Right, 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 sure. And, I, and who am I to say anything? I didn't check any vitals mm-hmm. or nothing like that. In Puerto Rico, we were there. People were coming up getting prayed for. I'm on this side of the stage with all the pastors. I see a guy coming up, and I see a gun under his shirt. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't. So I get up, and I run all the way around the stage, and I don't catch the people when they fall. When they fall, he has catchers. But, uh, you know, when he touches them, they yeah, fall they pass out or whatever. Right, yeah. right. So all of a sudden, he's going back and forth, and then next, I take the catcher and pull a catcher. Now, I'm behind this big-ass guy, and the catcher just, he comes over, he walks over, he looks at me, and I look at him and go like that, and he goes, touch, and the guy goes, and then I got the gun as he falls. So he touched him in the head and made him He, he fell out. back, yeah. but then I, I, I get a forty-five off this right, guy. Right, right, right. The police come, he's got a permit. It ended up being innocent, but he, Still. he had a gun. See, wow. stuff like that. Uh, so, But I've read the notes. Stuff they, you can't explain. No. Right. Can't explain. A lady, you know, um, started walking, got off a cane, and this was in Indola. 
People were going crazy. Tried to get them, tore the whole stage apart. I had to get them out. You know, uh, we were using uh, the presidential bodyguards, mm-hmm. and we were driving a, a Mercedes, and uh, the presidential guy was, and I wasn't allowed to carry guns overseas, but I knew where his was, and if you hit one lock on a Mercedes, all of them lock, so wow. they had passed her out, had him out by the jacket, and I had to come from the car behind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that guy's still around. Right, right, right. He got a right cross, and I threw Pastor in, locked the door, reached around, got this guy's gun, and told him, go. Mm. It's just stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. This this is Talk is Jericho. So how does all this stuff lead you to eventually get into the wrestling business at 38 years old? Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, I do Benny, and then uh, time's up. Time right. to, you know, you just, you just feel it. It's time to move on. It's time yeah. to move on, you know. Not only was I Benny's personal bodyguard, but he made me in charge of his guards on the ground. So now I'm chief of his security. Yeah, yeah. And then when he has his Sunday service, I'm in charge of the cat team, counter-assault team. Hmm. So now I'm wearing three hats for the same price as one. Right. And I figured, okay, it's a church. I'll do this and I'll do that. And I just gotten surgery right here, and some guy went nuts. I mean, he was he was coming down yelling at Benny, and I and I'd sit right, like say uh, you're up front, yep, and the aisles here, and the, the chairs there. I would sit front corner here, mm-hmm. and I would just stare at Benny the whole service because he's got. Why would I turn around? Right, he sees everything. And if his eyes go cuckoo, I know which way to look. Mm-hmm. Well, his eyes went that way, and some guy was coming to get him and was throwing people in wheelchair out of the way, mm. yelling at Benny. Well, I had to go get him, and I got him, but he punched me right where I got surgery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, uh, can you throw a little healing over here? <laughs> <laughs> can you heal me? <laughs> yeah. But so time was done with Benny, and... Uh, I opened my own private investigating business over there, and I got a job with a um, gentleman named Dart. Now, if you turn over any styrofoam cup, it'll say Dart with a circle on it. Underneath the cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they own like 75% of the world's styrofoam. <laughs> so I didn't want to be in charge no more. I just mm-hmm. wanted to be a flunky, you know, run a command post, just just be... Yeah. You know, laid low. So I'd work two weeks on, two weeks off. So the two weeks I worked on, I worked the midnight shift. You know, um, we had a post in Cayman, Sarasota. That's where I was stationed. And Oxford, London. And, uh, you know, watching, communicating. And and, um, so I was keeping an eye on, uh, well, me and the other team were... uh, Three daughters and a wife. Mm-hmm. 
you know, each daughter had her own bodyguard that took them to school, right? Waited, brought them home. The wife had her own little bodyguard. I stayed on the property, and uh, once in a while I go to Cayman, you know, and then uh, oh, one time I even infiltrated Oxford. How? How? Yeah. Because the daughter was going out with a guy who was going to Oxford. Oxford, well, the university? Yeah, yeah. in London. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had to go there and keep an eye on her. <laughs> so I was a, I could say, I went to Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that lead you to wrestling, though? Oh, well, so I go do this and do the private investigating. So the two weeks I'm off, I work, I'm subcontracted by Allstate and State Farm, and I, I film the guys that go, my neck hurts, I do this, I, and I film them all, and they're all lying. Right. So, my brother has a bail bonds company here, and um, he finally convinces me to come down here and help take a cut and pay, but he's family. Right. He's great at the bail bonds business, doesn't know how to manage people. People were stealing from him, taking advantage. So, I said, okay, I'll come here. So, I come here, general manage the place, and he were, he's doing a wrestling thing. In California, Jesse Hernandez, mm-hmm. Empire Wrestling Federation. Right, right. Well, I've always wanted to, you know, wrestle, but I figure I'm 38 and a half. What am I going to do? You know, 38. I'll just go play a while. You know, live out a little dream. Yeah, yeah. I use my gladiator stuff. You know, Power team. It's all kind of the similar vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we would go there three hours, you know, and... Uh, Three hours there after work, right? In San Bernardino, work out for three hours and drive three hours back. So we were doing that, and then Jesse says, "You know, why don't you start wrestling?" You know, I said, "Okay." So I was there twelve months, had eight matches, and then Jesse sent up a tape to WWE. I think he meant to set up Frankie Kazarian's tape, (laughs) but mine went up. So I'm at the office, and Howard Finkel calls. And says, is Rico there? Yeah. This is Howard Finkel. We want you to come up to Connecticut and try out. Yeah, of course I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I went up there, it was Nicole Bass, Mark Henry, and a bunch of new guys. Yeah. So it's Dory's, Dory Funk's last dojo. So I go there and we meet Dory and his wife in the morning. (laughs) So... I'm like fourth or fifth, and Dory says, hello, what's your name? How old are you? How long have you been wrestling? Ending goes from there. So he's asking these people. He comes up to me. Hi, what's your name? Rico Costino. How old are you? 38. How, <laughs> how long have you been wrestling? I said, a year. <laughs> they both stood up and walked away. That was the end of my interview. <laughs> Right there. Right. They're saying, this guy's done something to get here. He's he's greased some palms. Right. So I just kept going with what I did. Mm -hmm. Ended up getting food poisoning Mm -hmm. from the cafeteria. But I wasn't going to quit or stay in the room. So I was doing the exercises, running to the bathroom. Right, right. Come back, work out. Come back, work out. And then after a while, you know, the Dory says, I'm Rico's the only one that's able to suplex Nicole 
or do this to Nicole or body slam Nicole. Rico's the only one. Okay. So we do our matches. Cornette's there with Henry. We do the 10 days where our last two days is going to Killer Kowalski's and do a couple of army guard bases. Yeah, spot shows. Yeah, yeah spot shows. So I do my first day and uh, uh, first days with Mark Henry and Jimmy's got the racket. And he says, I'm going to lay it in. I said, do what you got to do. And he laid it in. <laughs> so, you know, I lost there. And the next day was tag matches. And then uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard said, you did good, kid. You know, they're probably going to give you an offer to do, hmm. you know, camp. I said, okay. So um, all of a sudden I started hearing Jimmy yell, what the F? What do you mean? Where is that SOB? Where is he? Rico, where are you? And I'm like, uh-oh, did I do something wrong? I think I'm going to get in trouble. Right. You know, because Jimmy. Yeah, he loses his temper like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I finally go find him. I said, what's wrong? He goes, do you know what they just told me? I said, no, tell me. He goes, how old are you? And I said, 38. What the hell are you talking about? I thought you were 24. <laughs> and I went... <laughs> <laughs> said no i told him i was 38 it's on my app right he says god and he, yeah then i went man i said no i'm 38 and so he goes away and he's talking to dr tom and then he comes back and he says listen i'm gonna go down to ovw july be ready and i see go i said well where do they start out at he says 500 dollars, and i went a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you know, I got a family to support. Yeah. And then he goes, well, it's ten ninety nine. I went, oh, no. So I went, all right, let me think about it. And, uh, you know, we'll stay in touch. So when I got back here, Yoko was here. And I called Yoko and I said, can we talk? And uh, Yoko and I met. And Yoko said, uh he says, bro, he says, so many guys would give their left arm and their leg to get what you got. He says, if I was you, I'd go for it. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, Yoko, I will. And then that's it. That and was it, it? Yeah, and then July, kissed my wife and drove to Louisville. <laughs> and that's how I got started. When did you get called up to the main roster? Was that with three-minute warning? No, when I got, they were going to cut me. Mm-hmm. They were going to cut me, and Jim, Jim Cornette, Jr. and Steve and Stone Cold, really told uh, told them, "Give me a chance." Why was Austin a fan of yours? Uh, I uh, there was this big guy named Russ McCullough was supposed to do something with him at right. Louisville Gardens. Gotcha. Well, he he turned him. He was a heel. He turned himself babyface in Huntington, West Virginia, uh -huh. and Jim went nuts on him <laughs> and he says you're out rico's in so nothing planned no so you worked with steve austin yeah yeah and he stunned me right and uh he liked me and so he gave me the thumbs up along with J jr was giving me the thumbs up and all the the wrestling reports, reports yeah. about developmentals and uh cornet said give the guy 90 days mm -hmm. i said he they said he's done everything We've asked of him. He's been a baby face. He got his leg torn. 
You know, he came back. We told him to go heal. He went heal. He does everything. You know, he does the ring. He stays. He says, and if you don't like, you ain't got a gimmick for him in 90 days. Right. Send him home. But just give him a chance. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there. One day, I'm a heel. One day, I'm this. And then uh, Raven comes up to me. He says, what do you like being, a heel or a face? I said, well, being a heel is easy. He said, you got to do something about your face. I said, what, light it on fire? Do what? <laughs> I said, this is my face. He goes, grow some sideburns. <laughs> That's right, the sideburns. I said, well, what kind of sideburns? He goes, like Honky Tonk Man, like Elvis. I said, well, that's already been done. He goes, well, you got to do something. You're too much of a pretty boy. You're not going to pass as a heel. <laughs> so I started thinking, and I said, well, Rock had those corporate sideburns. Yeah. Tonk had the Elvis thing. Let me grow something completely ugly that that and try to put them over myself which makes people mad yeah so i grew those big old mutton chops giant mutton chops exactly and started trying to put them over yeah and uh to this day if you ask scott i didn't tell him to do that he'll deny it (laughs) he says i didn't say that but he's the reason for the chops Mm -hmm. and i'm warming up i think i'm going to wrestle stevie richards who i think he got out of uh Right to censor. Right. And then he got out of the way he wore black on black. And I was going to wrestle. And then there's Jazz speaking to Stephanie. And they're looking at me and they're giggling. (laughs) No, I don't have a fly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I'm looking around and they're giggling. So I said, okay, I'm not going to go up to Stephanie and ask her. So I walk up to Jazz there. I said, wait, what are you two ladies giggling about? Oh, nothing. I said, come on, Jazz. We... Right. She goes, how would you feel about dyeing your hair completely blonde? I said, I'll dye it blonde. She says, oh, okay. And then um, I had the next week off, and I'm sitting, and I get the phone call. Get up to Ottawa now. What? Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, get up to Ottawa. Okay. Get to Ottawa. There I am, Billy and Chuck's manager. Ah. And I'm like. Excuse me, come here, road agent. I said, uh, I don't know how to manage. I've never managed. Right. So they called Billy over and I said, Billy, I don't know how to manage. He says, follow my lead. We'll get it done. And I said, what I was supposed to do? He goes, you spin kick the shit out of Hardy. And I said, okay. Right. So, and, and oh my God, people must love the Hardys in Ottawa. Because when I left, I got snowballed. I mean, they were snowballing me left and right. And then that's where... And that's when Billy and Chuck were doing like the, the gay thing, like the gay marriage and all that stuff? Well, no, no, no. That oh. came later. Later, okay. Uh, what happened was Billy wanted to go out on his own. Mm-hmm. And this is when Taker was gone. Right. Taker was re- recovering, so he didn't want to tag anymore. So he wanted to go out on his own. So when that the wedding thing came up, there was like three endings to it. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, Billy and Chuck's wedding. Right. 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 So you know, I've never done a monologue. Yeah. Could- so they gave me a five-page monologue, and I had to hit every cue 
to get people to come out like the Godfather, right. this. I mean, I was sweating. All the people that were coming up for the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. And I was sweating, going all the marks. And I was just like, oh, my God, I hope <laughs> I hit this because if I don't, I'm dead. Right. You know, and it ended up turning out great. Mm-hmm. So good that, you know, I we went to Raw. I mean, I mean, Billy and Chuck beat the snot out of me, and then Three Minute Warning came out, and then Samoa. So then, Stephanie, so then you went to uh, Three Minute Warning, and then I went to Raw, so, okay. and it was Three Minute Warning. Gotcha. And then, uh, then Jamal got in some trouble with the law down in Florida, mm-hmm. so then it was going to be Two Minute Warning. Oh, really? Yeah, and then they said, "Well, you can't have Two Minute Warning. We've already established Three Three Minute Warning." So. They were going to give Jamal a break for a while. So they put Rosie with Hurricane. Yeah. He became superhero in training. Yeah. And then Hunter approached me and said, we want, Vince wants you to do this character, an Adrian Street character. Ah. And I said, "Um, well, is Adrian still alive? Yeah. I said, well, how does he feel about it? He says, well, I don't know. I said, well. That's going to be kind of, I, I feel kind of weird, plagiarizing his character without his permission. I said, if I'm going to do his character, one, he was from the 70s. Two, I got to take what he did and put it in the millennium. I said, fly me down to meet him. They said, all right. They flew me down the Gulf Breeze. I met Adrian and his wife, Linda, and we talked for like 14 hours. Wow. And I asked him what made it work for him then. He told me, I said, I want to bring it here. I want to bring it up here, you know, for the crowds. Now, evidently, I can't go stepping on girls. Yeah, it's 30 years later. Yeah. I said, said, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, a pretty girl, but still do some of your antics along with my antics, you know, and this. And we talked it over and came up with, you know, don't ever tell him, he says. Don't ever tell him. Tell him. That's where Dino Bravo messed up. Don't ever tell him. Of what you are. Oh, gotcha. Don't ever tell Don't ever come out and tell the audience that I'm gay or, or straight or homosexual or whatever, right? Right. Mm. Leave, it, leave them guessing to mm. their own. And that's where Dino Bravo messed up. He just came out and said, I am. And then that was it for that character. Mm. That was it. So, so if you leave it up to the audience. imagination of the audience. Yeah. And that's a good point, right? And that's where. And then they said, "I told them I need a arm piece. I need an arm piece. I need a beautiful arm piece." And that's how this is going to go over. Well, they were going to give me Daphne from ECW, mm-hmm. and I said, "Well, what she look like?" They showed me. I said, "Well, she's a pretty girl." I said, she's, "But she's not what this character needs. She needs a blonde girl, stacked Barbie doll, yeah, yeah, stacked." And then she helps me. Win by throwing me hairspray, lipstick, duty me, you know, to- doting on me, giving me the nose kiss, you know, doting on me. Mm-hmm. So, and then all of a sudden, I'm doing all the ride em cowboy, smack them in the butt, jump in the arms. But then when push comes to shove, I kick your ass. Right. So, you know, so what is he? Is he playing? Is he using? And I gave a lot of credit to Taz, you know, and all the announcers because they were playing that angle. Right. You know, he's messing with your mind. He's doing all that to get you off your game. Right, right, right. And then, uh, so they, I said, they said, well, you get Daphne. I said, it ain't going to work. 
I need I need somebody else. Well, who do you need? I said Jackie Gata. Oh no no uh, no, she's uh, going back down to OVW, and that's when Jackie had that match on Raw. Oh, that, really bad one with mm, JBL and Trish. Yeah, yeah, was they it, were right? they were going to zip zip. Uh-huh. And uh, I talked to Stephanie again because that's who thought of this character. And I said, Steph, I, I really need her to make this work. She said, well, she'll never wrestle. I said... You don't need her to. I don't want her to wrestle. Right. I want her just to be the arm piece to keep the people on their toes. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's it. I said, that's all I need. And I said, the, the character will go over. She'll dote on me, take my this... Put the lipstick or chapstick on me. Because you had the full blown like butterfly makeup on, like a oh, real. Oh, I did yeah. until Booker got upset. Oh, he got and upset at what? The 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 makeup. Why was he upset at the makeup? Because Chanel is his girlfriend. A uh, Charmel. Charmel. Yeah. Charmel was accusing him of going to strip joints because that stuff won't come out of his hair. <laughs> so he was. You were working with him. Gotcha. So he talked to Vince, and Vince asked me to. Tone it down. Gotcha. So that's when I went just to the li- to the lines, yeah. not the full Adrian right. street makeup, you know, which was less work for me. And okay, hey, if I'm, yeah, I don't want to get your trouble, home booker. Yeah, I gotcha. You know, I can work with it. Right, it's great. You know, so I had different designs, makeup matched the dice, and for Adrian, let me plagiarize his character. He has a he had a wrestling outfit company that made tights and stuff. I got all my tights for him from a year. Gotcha. I said, thank you, and I'm going to buy all my tights for a year. So you're really playing a, a character here, and that's what the, 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 the secret to wrestling is, is playing a character, and you're right. playing basically a, a gay man as a totally straight guy. Right. So to play that part, to really get into it, you did a great job with it. You're, you're, you're acting. Exactly. Yeah. I was. And, uh, you know, all the funny stuff I did with, in the stage, you know, the cowboy riding and yeah, this yeah, and yeah. that. I used to get a lot of my ideas from the fans. Hmm. I'd go out, you know, sign a few autographs, and there's always one, two, or three of them to go, hey, Rico, you know what would be really funny? <laughs> you write no, it down. No, what? <laughs> You're writing it down. Yeah. I'd write it down, and then when I would sit in the tanning bed, I'd go, okay, where could this fit? Where could that fit? And most of them, I could put it. And when I couldn't put it, like uh, the step over kick, mm-hmm. the mule kick, mm-hmm. Finley taught me gotcha. where to put it. Right. You know, uh, like when we when we wrestled. I remember it was Sacramento. Or was it me and Trish? It was you, you, Trish, me and Jackie. Ah, mixed tag match. I remember yeah, that. Because, yeah, because. Uh, Jackie, uh, Trish and Jackie did a bra and panties the week before, <laughs> and they wanted me. You know, I was at ringside. Right. And this is when the writers said they wanted me to come down in a boosty, yeah, of course. And this, and I went, okay, so we're killing my character, right? Right. Do you have something else for me? Mm-hmm. No, this will be funny. No, you're you're going to kill the Rico character. And why would that kill the character? Because I'm co- I'm doing the, what Gold does did. Right. Yet now you've just shown that I am a closet mm-hmm. homosexual. Right. Okay. I said, that's not funny. And it was always ambiguous up until then. Yeah. yeah. You don't know what, what's under my tights. It's right. Like, I said, that's not funny. You're going to kill it. And here we are in Salt Lake City. Hmm. And, I, and they go, what are you going to do? I said, you know what you do? You get a pair of pants. You make me a pink thong with sparkles. Okay. I'm ripped. Now, tr- I cannot have 
Trish just stripped me down. I have to do something, get her miss. She capitalizes on my miss, where I'm in a predicament that I can't get out of. Right. And then she gets me. And there I am standing buck-ass naked, embarrassed at first, and then I turn it on. (laughs) And then Jackie tries to kick uh, Trish, kicks me in the nuts, down I go. Trish strips Jackie. Yeah. Wins the match. Now, I got to cover Jackie because I can't have her butt out, but mine is way out on Thanksgiving, you <laughs> right, know? Right, right, right. So I'm making it like this. Yeah. And I said, that will keep the character going. Yeah, yeah. So they they listened to me there. So we that's why we got to wrestle the next week. Oh, the intergender. Oh, that's why we. Oh, yeah, the, the, the mixed tag. Gotcha. B- yeah, because they didn't kill me the week before. Uh, you know, and then we had the good match, and they were doing the, the thing, and, you know, and, uh, you know, you got me with the drop kick off the yeah, thing, and then the I ropes. did the kick, 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 jump kick <laughs> yeah. with that. I remember. But, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, it was a good match. Yeah. It moved quick. The ladies got what they did. You know, and then I was strangling Trish. <laughs> Back in the days when you could actually put your hands on the women. You yeah. Do that well, now. well, you had the ref. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Right, right, right. And then, then you came in, and then we double suplexed Trish. Right. And then you got out, but we gave her enough time to get her marbles. And one, two, two. And then she went like that, and the people kicked out. Yeah. Oh, wait, great. <laughs> I thought it was a great match. Yeah, yeah. on Daily Motion uh, maybe eight, nine months ago. Oh, okay. They played it. And I was like, that's a heck of a... Because what I did is I pushed Trish first. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so... So so when you did that character, did you go back to managing afterwards? Or were you just... No, 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 no. I, I, um, what happened was... Okay, well, let's go back. I have to go back to when I quit Three Minute Warning. Right. Okay, I quit because of all that stuff. And then that's when H approached me to do the Adrian Street. And they said, okay, get ready. We're going to bring you out in a couple of weeks. So I came out on heat, and I wrestled Noble. Mm-hmm. Well, it got, it got kind of over on Noble. That character, yeah. Yeah. So the next week, I was going to wrestle Charlie Haas on SmackDown. So I wrestled Haas... And he was doing all the technical, and I was playing around. You know how technical he is. <laughs> well, he turned around, and I came up the other side of the ring. He turned around, and I grabbed him, and I kissed him. Mm. And he ran out of the ring, <laughs> count to ten, and then I win. Right? So we go back to Canada, and Scotty and Rikishi were tag champions. Well, Pat Patterson comes up and goes... Man, you guys, you guys would be the perfect champions, the perfect tag champions. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, it's, it, it's great. He goes, you know, Charlie's scared of you, you know. And I said, well, don't forget, you've got three baby faces, four baby faces. You know, Jackie, me, Scotty. And Rikishi. Uh, yeah, Kishi. And then you got Haas, who's hated. And uh, so... He sat and thought about it a while, and I said, well, this is how I think it'll work. We'll just make it a triangle. Mm. Charlie likes Jackie. (laughs) Jackie likes me. (laughs) I like Charlie. (laughs) I said, we'll make it a triangle. And I said, uh, 
you know, we'll have them play the heel, but I'll do my fancy stuff to get us over. So you know how when you do the sunset flip on Rikishi and he, he smacks sits, his yeah. ass? Yeah, well, I did the sunset flip on him, and then I smacked his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went and tagged Scotty in. And Charlie's having a fit. He's going, come on, quit playing around. And then uh, I smacked his ass for a tag in. <laughs> and then he was getting his ass beat by Rikishi. Jackie grabbed Kishi's ass. He turned around. Charlie rolled up Scotty, and we won. So now Charlie's all happy. So yeah. now you and Charlie are the tag team champs. We're the tag right, right, team like, champions like, yeah. now. Yeah. So he had to give me the belt. So And how they did it is in the beginning they said uh, Charlie's tag team partner because he didn't know who his partner was. Mm. It was a mystery gotcha. because Bel- Benjamin was on the other side. Right, right, right. Yeah. So Charlie's tag team partner, well, when I came out, because I kissed him uh-huh. the week before. <laughs> He's looking at the ref going, no, not him. No. <laughs> Anybody but him. Yeah. So that's how. And then uh, I got hurt uh, in Chicago. Bubba Dudley threw me out of the ring and tore my hamstring. Mm. And then he slant, suplexed me during the match where I was trying to get through it. Tore it again. Wow. And then when he pinned me, he put his feet on the second turnbuckle and stretched my legs over my head and tore it a third time. Eesh. Yeah. Wow. Fine. And then I just said, you know, I ain't getting up. You're going to come get me. Was that was that kind of the end of the line for you at that point? No. I said, okay. And I worked six months, mm. came back to the ring, and did all that stuff. And then uh, November 4th was uh, the day I got released. Mm-hmm. That's when Vince said my character wasn't over no more. Oh, okay. So... Uh, Japan was trying to get me there, just kept calling, kept calling. I said, no, I'm under contract until February 2nd with Vince. And I said, uh, I'm not going to dishonor that. And then uh, the second came, Vince didn't call, took a flight to Japan. You guys were there. Oh, wow. You guys were there. And that night I won the tag team titles with Bull Buchanan. All Japan. Was it all Japan? Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I went to Hard Rock, and then Taker was there, and all the guys were there. Hmm. I said, hey. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah, the whole crew was there. Everybody Everybody was was hanging out. Yeah. 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 Did you like Japan? I I did, but then I started thinking, here I am, 44 years old. Yeah. And do I want to keep traveling to Japan and leaving the family alone, raising... The granddaughter. Yeah. And, who you delivered. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who you delivered, yeah. Who I delivered. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm going to go back to what I know. Hmm. You know, because I've, I've been a jack of trades, master of none. But but that's the thing, though, that the fact that you actually made it to the WWE at pretty much 40 years old, that, that you could be one of the only guys to ever do that. I think Steve Lombardi said that. I think so. He said that you, you I think he's, he's come. There's an asterisk by Dallas Page. Okay, but he had he had been wrestling in WCW before. Yeah, I, that's where I think. The but to get to the comes. big leagues of the WWE at 40 years old, basically your first yeah. big company, that yeah. that could you could be the only guy. So that's a pretty big deal to be able to do that. To that's say my that only that. company. Yeah, I wrestled for an independent, right, with eight matches, uh-huh. and then got signed with Vince yeah. under F, and then it went to E, and stayed with Vince, and then I only wrestled 
for Japan, I think I was in Japan total 17 days, wrestled maybe 10 yeah. total. Yeah, shows, yeah. Yeah, and, and then I it. said, you know what, I'm going to go back to be a policeman. So um, when, by the time I came back, uh, the police academy in Boulder City uh, was opening up. I went to police academy in July, put in my application. September 26th, I was hired by the state. November, I was hired by the feds. And there right, I back was. Back to work, yeah. yeah. Back do you, to work. Do you miss wrestling at all? I miss the fans uh-huh. the most, and then I miss my friends. Mm. I, I miss the guys. The, the camaraderie. Who, yeah, yeah. Of, of my friends, yeah. because we were family. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys who wanted to be family. Right. You know, the people who were mean, I could, I could take them and leave them. Right. You know, just smile and go. But friends, you know, like you. Mm-hmm. You know, we always talked and had fun. If I ever had a question, I could always come to you. Come to, you know, like that scene with uh, that one thing with, I don't want to mention his name, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That scene where I needed help. Right. Yeah. You got in trouble for whatever reason. Yeah. You needed yeah. some help. Yeah. And I needed help and some advice. Taker. Taker was always there for me. I remember, I remember freaking him out. How? <laughs> uh, we were in Pesaro, Italy. Uh-huh. And uh, we're sitting there at the hotel after the show. And I wanted to take a swim. But I didn't have any trunks. So I just stripped down to my underwear. And I just took a swim out to the jetty. <laughs> I don't know how far it was. But I was out there and I swam and then uh, looked around and said, okay, swam back. Swam back to take her waiting there by my clothes going, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I just wanted to take a swim. He goes, you are one crazy SOV. Get your clothes and let's go. I said, yes, sir. And we walked back in the... <laughs> but you always had that kind of unique vibe to you. I remember you always yeah. said, you know, to get the character over that you did and to do all the stuff that you've done, you have to be kind of a unique person for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And, and you, you got to be willing to, you know... Take it to the limit. And right. like I, uh, I don't know if I just said this in an interview, but uh, I asked Vince, you know, it, like when Chuck, Billy, and I did that those characters, mm-hmm. and Billy, I, and Chuck went to Vince and said, listen, we don't mind doing this as long as we don't offend right. that way of life. Right, right, right. Sure, sure. We don't respect it. That. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, okay. And in WWE, we have the GLAD Award. Mm-hmm. From the gay and lesbian people, they gave us an award. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And I thought that was very honorable. An award for? For not showing them in a bad light. Gotcha. And and actually making people laugh. Yeah. You know? And um, I asked him with this Adrian Street character, how far you want me to go? He says, strap a rocket to your ass. And take off. I'll tell you when to back up. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And I said, okay. And I said, you're the man. Mm-hmm. And I did everything I did and uh, turned myself baby face. Uh, he didn't like that too much because <laughs> I was supposed to be healed. Right. I was on Raw. Yeah. And uh, just all the funny stuff I did. People immediately, because you're entertaining, so they start liking you. Exactly. Right. And uh, they start liking the cowboy and the stuff like that. Sure, because it's entertaining. People right. love to be entertained, right? Yeah. Well, that's why I kept being semi-main event. Right. You know, and, and uh, 
You know, it's not like I walked up to Vince and say, I need to be this. No, no. Yeah. this is where you put me. Right. Because everybody else wanted to be, you know, the stone cold, the tough guy. Sure, sure, sure. Well, how much tough guy matches can you see before you see the people who've earned the main event? Yeah. You know, you got to show respect for the people in the main event. People need to laugh, let some steam off. And that's where I came in. You know, that's why you didn't see me on roids. That's why you didn't see me, you know. You didn't have to be. Didn't have to. No. I used my brain. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make you laugh. Right. You know, you're going to get a giggle out of me. To entertain you. Yeah. Yeah, Get your popcorn and come back and sit down quick. (laughs) (laughs) Because you look so good to me is going to show you why you're here. (laughs) And by the time I got finished... You were ready for the main event, mm-hmm. whether it was JBL and Guerrero, whatever, the casket match, whatever. But you were ready to see the cage match. You were ready to, you were ready to get back into it. After they saw you. After they saw the fun. They, yeah, they yeah. had time to go <sighs> and relax, you know, and, and, and that was my role. Sure, of course. Quite happy with my yeah, role. Yeah, and you knew that, which oh, yeah. is why you were good at it. Quite happy. Being a mid-card guy, quite happy. Yeah. And, and, and I always say this with every interview, and I am so thankful to the McMahons for even giving me a shot. Mm-hmm. Here you are giving a 38-year-old guy a shot to be part of the team, mm-hmm. to be part of the family. You know, uh, I, couldn't, I can't thank him enough. Yeah. You know? Like you said, at 38 years old, that's a pretty yeah. big uh, pat on your back that you're able to do that. Yeah. And I debuted on television at 40. Yeah. <laughs> Who can say that in this business? I, I, like I said, asterisk by Dallas Page. Sure, sure, sure. I don't know. But Lombardi said, I retired at 40. <laughs> you're debuting. You're starting. You're starting. Yeah, the Brooklyn Brawl. <laughs> so as we uh, wind down here, uh, two yeah. last questions. What was your favorite angle that you were part of? And what was your favorite match that you had? Man, I never really got to get solid into an angle. I got moved around a lot yeah. you know, with Billy and Chuck. And uh, Did you enjoy it. the Billy and Chuck thing? Oh, I enjoyed the Billy and Chuck yeah. thing. Uh, there's no better tag team master technician than Billy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was in charge of that, and I listened to him to the T. That's, that's how I became the manager I became. Mm-hmm. You know, I listened to Billy. He helped you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and if it wasn't for the, the guys at OVW, Danny Davis's guys, Flash Flanagan, uh, you know, uh, Rob Conway, Nick Dinsmore, Dinsmore all those guys, yeah, yeah. Damage, uh, Basham, all his core group of guys, they taught me so much in such a little bit of time. You know, even Kenny Bolin. My little round mound of sound. <laughs> the star maker. Yeah, the star maker. He used to wear blue all the time. I used to call him my blue M&M. <laughs> but uh, you know how I got to be heel is because of him. Mm. When I got my leg torn, he told Cornette, let me bring him back as a heel. And Cornette, are you kidding? He's our top baby face. He'll never make heel. Jimmy says, give me six weeks. He will be your top heel. And sure enough. I was the top hill. He made me the role model. And even though the people knew they were smart, they were hollering and hollering. He had two heel tag teams. Batista was on one side. And it was me and Cena on the other side. And they didn't know who to cheer. Right. I mean, they were going crazy for both of us. And um, so, and my favorite match, my gosh, wrestling the iconic Ric Flair. Wow, nice. Uh, 
and just just being in the same ring with him and uh the one of the, my favorite matches was Rey Mysterio oh, uh, on Smackdown at Mohegan Sun I mean Rey Rey's talented and I'll tell you he'll run over you like a four-wheeler on a mountain I mean yeah, yeah. trying to catch him is just yeah amazing and we did eight minutes in Mohegan Sun and from the start to the finish that was just nonstop. that match and I'd never wrestled alone before uh, but everybody I wrestled had something different and a talent that I tried to feed off of and tried to adapt to I tried to be like an amoeba like I tried to you know the lion salt I tried to learn everybody's moves mm-hmm. that where if I got in the ring I could make them shine right 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 and and that to me that was my whole goal is to get in the ring heel or face whatever is when it was their time to shine make them shine make them look good you know and keep them safe mm-hmm. Because we got to work. That's right. We got another match tomorrow. We got another yeah. match and keep everybody safe. Yeah. You know, there's times it's going to be, oh, I got a receipt you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but those are mistakes. As long That's as they're it. not done on That's purpose. right on purpose. Yeah. Rico, it's great talking to you, man. Yeah. It's good to catch up with you. Such an interesting guy, interesting life, and uh, I miss your sideburns, though. Yeah, so the chief don't like the sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't look good for uh, for the police force, right? Yeah, they don't look good for this. <laughs> Thanks again to Rico Constantino. What a great guy. Uh, what an incredible career in life. He is the Forrest Gump of wrestling. But uh, like I mentioned, Rico is really suffering. He was hurting during that interview. Uh, bright sunlight kind of bothered him, and he was having problems walking. But he has, he has a lot of spirit. He has a lot of heart. Uh, but he needs help with his medical expenses. I'd like to help him and if you can help me help him by donating even a couple bucks i know we just did this a few months for perry saturn a few months ago and it, it was amazing results help perry a lot let's help rico as well uh, it would go a long way and help rico and his family you can donate through paypal rico will get a hundred percent of anything you donate just go to paypal.com and send the money to wwe rico constantino at gmail.com please help him out he could use it he's a great guy as you heard uh thank you for helping and uh before we wrap things up on a lighter note Let's see what Mundy, Truly, and Gage from Team Tiger Awesome have cooked up for today. It's tough out there for police. And if you're one of our boys in blue, we know just how alone you might feel. Every cop deserves a buddy. That's why I created the app Copper. When you download Copper, C-O-P-R, you'll see a slew of smiling uniformed faces just waiting for the chief to force you together with. But you can't work with everyone. And that's where our 13-point rating system helps your chief match you up just wrong. We examine everything from suicidal tendencies, cleanliness, likelihood of shooting your partner in the ass, even your likeliness to touch a black man's radio. All of it to help you find that special someone who annoys you in all of the right ways, but will have your back when the chief has your badge. Copper. That's C-O-P-R. You may jump off the roof alone, but when you fall into the dumpster, there's going to be a buddy beside you. You can download it from the App Store or find out more by listening to the Team Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday right here on the Jericho Network and Podcast One. <laughs> if only we'd had that app for nothing to report, maybe my uh, character would have been teamed up with a better cop character than, than uh, Mundy's Moses. What's his name? Moses Grundy? What the hell is his name? Don't remember. If you haven't seen Nothing to Report, it's on YouTube. It's hilarious. It's uh, the uh, digital uh, uh, television series, the digital series that Mundy and I and Truly and Gage did for Comedy Central. Go check it out. So if you want more of Nothing to Report style crazy antics uh, and stuff like that, jokes and humor that Team Tiger Awesome dreams up, 
I don't just mean apps and products. You need to go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe right now to listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show. You'll get the new episodes delivered automatically every Sunday morning and give them a five-star rating review as well. Please do the same for Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Every Monday, Mitch uh, gets the biggest stars in rock and roll music and uh, has great conversations with them. He had Richard Marks this week. Richard Marks has a podcast on uh, Podcast One, and he specifically re- uh, requested Mitch to do an interview with him. And don't forget about Raven. The Raven Effect is my new favorite podcast on the Jericho Network. This week, it's Billy Corgan and Raven talking about uh, wrestling fan fiction. Oh, boy. Yeah, that gets uh, pretty raunchy. Also about the history of blackface. Very interesting stuff. Silent movies, World War II. Really funny, interesting, great stuff with Raven. He's going to get more into his, uh, his wrestling career as well. You're going to hear more of that over the next few weeks. And more of Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. Beyond the Darkness, five days a week. And, of course, the flagship show, Keep It at 100 with Conan. All of those shows are very entertaining. Go do it now. And do it for your favorite podcast, of course. That's me, Talk is Jericho. And I want you to give me reviews and, uh, and ratings. My goal is to get 2,000 reviews on iTunes. We're already over 1,500. We're on our way. It really makes a difference. It helps us with advertisers and just gives us more, uh, more, more uh, focus and more of a spotlight for all of the great things that we're doing. So a shout-out to everyone for leaving a five-star rating and comment including crad2 wubba1 danny Rowe, spec 009 primo legacy lp freak the dr jose billy madison's drunk penguins that's a new listener glad to have you board talk is jericho bland yoshi and i am decibels and i appreciate all the five-star ratings in the comments and a big thank you this episode's tremendous sponsors and all of you for supporting ddp yoga go to ddpyoga.com slash jericho to get 30 percent off the ddp yoga now app and all ddp yoga related merch i want to thank uh, lift sign up to drive at lift.com slash jericho l-y-f-t lift.com slash jericho get a 500 dollars new driver bonus and of course true car Geico, so many great sponsors and so many great listeners. Thank you for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And this Wednesday, next week, after this tremendous weekend that I know we're all going to have, we're going to be rocking it with the returning destroyer. Samoa Joe is back on Talk is Jericho. Last time we spoke to him, uh, he had just left TNA and his future was uncertain. Now we're speaking to him just as he is starting to make a huge impact on the WWE main roster. Joe is a great guy. He's a great brother, even if he did beat me on Raw last week. But uh, uh, I was robbed, I say. I was robbed, yeah. Uh, you're going to love him. He's great. He loves... Uh, He's a, he's a good talker and he's got lots to say and uh, he likes Godzilla as well. So we're going to talk all about that with Samoa Joe returning. Uh, and in the meantime, in between time, that's it. Another fine edition of Talk to Jericho. Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs and a big yeah, boy. We'll see you next week. Be cool. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcast podcastone.com.